Well, again, good morning, all of Branch. It's exciting that we get to be diving into this uh, upcoming series here. But, and um, just so many cool things happening right now. Um, in next service, the youth will be dismissed at this point. But uh, uh, what we're doing is we're diving into this series called Cross Training. And a lot of people will uh, have asked me, hey, why do we do these things called topicals? And I want to stop for a second and just explain for a minute that actually I don't consider what we're doing a topical message. Can I just be clear? I really think of them as theological messages. You see, I'm going to teach you real quick. Theo- all theology is is asking the Bible a question and getting back an answer. And so what we're doing is we're going to ask four basic questions. We're going to look at the Bible and ask four basic concepts of it. Because what we want to do is we want to dive in to get to the basics. Here at Olive Branch, we want to see everyday people change into a community of passionate Christ followers. We want to be able to watch people go and understand what it is to, that God has called them to do and for them to do it. And our strategy basically lines up pretty simply that we want to see people come to Christ. We want that if you're not a Christian here, I'm going to be honest with you, I would love for you to know that Jesus Christ has died for your sins, that he's given you his life, that he loves you greatly and has given you the opportunity to enter into heaven as a gift, and that we want then want to move to the next level, which is what we call community. And in our small group, men's studies, and all these communities is the ability for us to grow in our relationship with God, because that is done together and individually. And so there, we have some basics that we touch on. Now, it's really important that we understand the basics. I mean, for example, when we, I'm, I'm dressed up in the sense of like, hey, this is a gym. We're doing cross training. This is not a series that we're going to be talking about the mind as much as we're going to be encouraging you guys to act. What good is it to go into a gymnasium and watch people exercise? Anybody ever done that? I hope not. That's weird. Don't do that, right? You go to work out. You go to a gym to work out. You come to a discipleship center called a church to get challenged to go and work out your faith, to get moving, to get yourself growing in your faith. And there's some basic things that we need to accomplish, just like you need to have your push-ups, your pull-ups, your sit-ups, and all those, uh, and your squats, and all those basic things to keep yourself in shape. I, I love it. The basic motto, uh, if you want to lose weight, is this, eat less, move more. That's it. Eat less, move more. Those are the basics of any kind of health fitness course. And the goal simply is that we in the church need to have these basics down as well. There's not, not eat less, move more. You should do that. But the, uh, really, it's these basic things of, of prayer, studying the word of God, reaching out to our neighbors and serving our community and each other. And these things ought to be done in a corporate setting with worship in the music style and with worship interactions. And what we're going to do in this series, we're going to dive in and look at this. I want to be kind of like a John Wooden for us. I mean, yeah, I've been kind of looking at John Wooden, and, and what an amazing guy. Anybody know a lot about John Wooden? So, okay, I will venture not into details. And all I know is that um, for this point is that he has, he won 10 NCAA championships, seven consecutively in a row, unprecedented. He is considered the coach of coaches and even businessmen read him to, to discover what his principles were. And he has this thing called his, his, uh, this pyramid. And right in the center of his pyramid is, is one term that he kept very, 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 he felt was very important. It was skill. And the reason why he put skill at the center was because he wanted people to understand that, hey, what good is it if you're skilled enough to get an open shot, but you can't shoot? So you get all these open shots, but nobody can make the basket. Or you're so skilled at at being able to uh, shoot the ball, but you can never get open. And so his point was you need to have all the skills. You need to have all the basic skills down so that you are at the best 
possible opportunity, when opportunity shines, you can nail it. And that's the idea here. Guys, you want to be a passionate Christ follower? You want to know what God's called you to do, what he's written for you to do so you can do it? Then these basics have to be in place. Because if you don't have the basics in place, if we don't have this cross-training stuff down, when the opportunity comes, we may not be able to, we may not be able to take that step. We might not be able to make that move. Some of us aren't going to see that opportunity because we don't have these basics. In fact, you'll find that it's in the basics that you discover what God's called you to do and you discover how you can do it. And so I hope this motivates all of us then to not just take this casually. I really want to challenge you guys over these next four weeks to really dive in and practice these basics. And the one that we're going to begin with is the essential relational basic. It's prayer. Prayer, if you're not a Christian and you're here today and you're, 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 checking, you're checking out church or you're coming because some friends invited you, I want to welcome you. I'm glad that you're here. Um, but, and, you, and you hear the word prayer and there's all kinds of thoughts that can pop into our heads. We're thinking of people who, who are these long-winded people who are praying out loud and all these these and thous and thy Lord with a very uppity accent. And, or maybe you, maybe you think it's this certain setting where everybody reads from a screen um, some kind of words and that's prayer. Or maybe you, you, it's some kind of transcendental meditation that you think of as prayer. I'm just going to push all the religious mumbo jumbo aside for a second. And there's value in some of those things. But what I really want to do is just, just get down to the brass tacks of what is prayer? What is it exactly? And there's nobody better to ask than Jesus. I mean, Jesus was the champion of prayer. The guy knew how to pray, and he taught people how to pray. And we find where he taught us how to pray in the book of Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 13. So join with us, all of us. Let's grab our Bibles out. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, why don't you grab one from under the seats and join with us. It's on page 811, and you can begin this journey on the discovery of what prayer is um, right here with Jesus. Jesus, the John Wooden of spirituality, um, the, actually he's greater than that. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. John Wooden loved Jesus. And so what's interesting about this is we dive into his teaching and he says this, look, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this then. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this is the simple prayer that people have come to know as the Lord's Prayer. But it's his model prayer. It's not just, we're not supposed to just say this. Notice what he said. He says, pray like this. This is a way to frame our thinking, to frame our prayer life. He's trying to teach us how to pray by giving us a model prayer that can expand into the beauty of what prayer and the power of what prayer is and the relationship that prayer is. And I want to clarify something before we really dive in. Some of us may have this thinking that prayer is something that saves you, that somehow prayer is something that that makes you right with God. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ makes you right with God. Jesus Christ saves you. Prayer is a birth from the fact that you have a relationship with God. That's very clear because how Jesus starts the conversation. Notice he says that we should pray like we're talking to our dad. Like you're talking to your dad. Look at, look at this in verse 9. Pray like this, and then like this. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. 
I don't think Jesus is being flippant here. I don't think he's saying God is the father of everyone on the planet. No, he's being very specific. He's saying, listen, for those of you who have an intimate relationship with God as your father, pray then in this way. And the only way to have that relationship with God as your father is to know that Jesus Christ has borne your sins and you've been adopted into the family of God. That's done through Jesus. And so we want to make sure that we have this fatherhood, this father connection with God. And I like this. Because this helps us have a visualization of God in a new way. Now, I know there's somebody out there, a bad dad. So if you have a bad dad, think of Bill Cosby as your, as your good dad picture or some, some really good dad that you've seen out there. And, and grab hold of a good dad image because God is the best dad. He is the best of all the dads combined together. He does not have the negativity of a fallen father like me to my children. God knows when to discipline rightly. He knows how to do it rightly. He cares about us greatly like a dad does. In fact, God provides for us like a dad. And we need to realize that he's a provider like a dad provides for the family. And I love this picture. Because when I think about prayer then, it's like when my kids come running up to me. Dad, dad, can I have a drink of water? I'm always sitting there going, why do I, why are you asking me for a drink of water? I supply a cup and water for you, go get water. But, but they come up to me because they know I can provide it for them if they need help. They know I can provide for them what, all these different things. And when they're coming to me, asking me for something, that is an image of prayer, Jesus is saying. When you go to God, you're going like you're going to your dad. You're saying, dad. I need this. Dad, can I have this? Now, good dads will say to their kids, no. Like my son, yes, you know, goes to the 4th of July Independence Parade here in, 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 in Main Street, which is actually a glorified Halloween party kind of thing because they're just throwing candy at the children. I mean, you're literally walking around with more candy than you get at Halloween well, before trunk and treats. But you're sitting there with all this candy, and the kids are like, can I eat it all? And you're like, no, you can't eat it all. You can have one piece, and, and, and you can have the sucker or whatever. And I want to provide good things to them, but we're going to make sure we give them what is best. This is a beautiful picture, then, because my children aren't anxious. They're not anxious, because God provides for us like a dad. Look at this verse in Matthew 7, 7 through 10. Jesus is putting this all together as a picture. He says, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Notice it's not a closed-door situation. This isn't a denial. You're not going to get the no. You're going to say, for everyone who asks, speaking of God as Father, receives. And the one who seeks is going to find. The one who knocks, it'll be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? I mean, who, whose kid comes up and says, Dad, I'm hungry. Here, chew on a rock. That's not, that's not what we do. Or if you ask for a fish, you're going to give him a serpent. My son Jonathan would love that. He'd be like, can I have a fish? Here's the snake. He'd be like, yay. But that's different. In this case, saying, I'm going to give you a viper, a serpent that's going to bite you? No. We don't give our children bad things. And then Jesus will conclude this in the text. And he will actually say, if you then... Who, who, get, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those, give good things to those who ask him? So he's saying God's primed. He's ready to care about you. He's ready to provide for you. And that means we don't have to be anxious. Think about it. My kids don't freak out where they're going to sleep. They don't worry about their life when it's raining. They're not, they're not out of their mind about what they're, they're, they're always wondering what they're going to eat, but they're not afraid it's not going to be there. Because as a dad, we provide. As parents, we provide. Because they live in my house. 
This is your father's house, not the church, the world. He owns everything. It's all his. Regardless of what the dictators want to claim, regardless of what governments want to seize, regardless of which rich people want to have, regardless of what we think we own, it's all God's. He's fully ready and capable of providing. And yet, what do we do as kids? We run around worrying about the basic things, don't we? We run around going, "Uh, uh," and what Jesus is saying is right at the get-go, he's saying, let's think about who we're talking to here. You're talking to your father, your dad, the provider. So you, you, you can actually pray so that it reduces your anxiety. Is where this begins. He's saying, don't come anxious to God. Come as, your, come as if he's your dad, knowing he can provide. Look at Philippians 4, 6. Paul kind of banks on this. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, thanking God for what he's given you. Let your requests be made known to God. It's not wrong to ask for the things that you need. It's not wrong to bring your anxieties. In fact, we're told to. If you're, if you're anxious about something, and if you're worried about something, if you're just burn in the rubber all night because your mind won't stop, then you should pray. You need to lay it at God's feet. Most anxiety is our attempt to control the situation around us. It is our attempt thinking that somehow I have control. A newsflash for all of us in the room, we don't have control. Now, I'm not talking about a medical anxiety. That's a different situation. You need to go get help for that. But, in a, but you need to add to what the doctor provides for you a regimen of prayer where you're laying your anxieties at the feet of God. You need need to make sure that you're able to take your struggles, your wrestling match with life and say, Dad, you, you own this already. You wrote it. I'm giving it to you. And your dad is ready to give you what is good. I love that. I, I love that thought because it changes things in how we approach God. A lot of people want to approach God as Lord, as a powerful and overarching, magnanimous, and oh, la, 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 la. No, he's your dad. Ready to provide for you if you're a son or a daughter of God and Jesus Christ. Isn't that freeing? Doesn't that make you want to go talk to your dad? There should be a bit of a homesickness. I want to go talk to dad. I, want to talk, I, want, I need to bring this to him. I want his best advice because he gives the best advice. See, that's the beautiful thing that Jesus leads to then. Once you grasp that you're talking about your dad, once you grasp that you get who he's, you begin to realize, I want to pray for what God wants then. I want to pray for what he wants what he desires, what his will is. And that's really what he says. Look at this. He goes from our, our father in heaven. He says, hallowed be your name. Let your name be set apart, made different. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All of us, many of us probably know this prayer by heart as growing up in America. Children learn this prayer often. And, and really the beauty of what Jesus is saying is right here, you need to pray for what God wants. When we talk about your, hallowed be your name, let your name be made holy. Let it be made set apart. Let it be above all else. We're really saying, God, I want your, what you want. I want to be, I want how you're going to do things. I want you to be so well known and so glorified that because I'm after what you want, that it shows up in my life. And that's really what hallowed be your name means. Put his name aside. Make it the reverent highest one because we're after what he wants. Everything that he would do that he would put his label on. When you think about the kingdom, a lot of people think about the future kingdom of Christ coming and establishing heaven on earth. And you know what? That is a portion of it. But if we really step back and look at the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is easily defined as anywhere God rules. And God's rule... It's always good. 
So it's crazy. When I think about my own life, I want God to rule in my heart. I want what God wants in my heart. I don't want to be angry. Aren't you tired of being angry? I don't want to be anxious. Just tired of worrying about things. I don't want to be impatient. I don't want to have this wrestling match with lust. I don't want to have a have a overwhelmed mindset about economic problems and no no why, don't you long to have the love in your heart and peace and a joy about your life these are all the things God wants for your life and really what I realize is I want what God wants and inside God's ruling cuz I when he delivers that I want his rule in my life I want those things that he wants for me I want to have purpose. I want to have meaning. I want to be used by him. I want to have a a hope of heaven. I want these things in my heart. Not only that, I want it for you guys. I want it for all of Corona. I want it for all of California. I want it for the whole world. I want what God wants for everybody. Why would I want to hold that back? And that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's found in in telling people you got peace with God because Jesus has taken your hell for you. I want, I, want, I, want, I want a relationship with God and I want my sin removed so I can have joy and peace and patience and kindness. Guys, that's what, if you're not a Christian, that's what I want for you. That's what Christians mean when they want you to hear what Jesus has done. They want you to have peace and purpose and joy and love. That's what God wants for us. That's what God wants for this city. And when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, what we're saying is, God, I want what you want for everybody else. I want it for the world. I want what's going on in heaven where there's peace and love and joy. I want that on earth. Isn't that an awesome prayer? And your dad wants to deliver it. He wants to. He's waiting to. And so... When we realize this, what we're saying is, God, I want what you want. And, and you realize we say this all the time as Christians. You ever wondered why you throw on the tagline, in Jesus' name? And you're praying, and at the end, somebody goes, oh, in Jesus' name, amen. You're like, what is that? Anybody ever wondered that thought? If you're a young Christian, maybe you've already started saying that, but you're like, I don't know why we say that. Maybe it's a magical formula. So it's like writing down the postmark so God gets the, so he actually gets this, you know, it's like stamp. I got a stamp. It's going to get to heaven now. That's not what's going on within Jesus' name. A lot of people will use it like a magical incantation. It's great to watch young Christians freak out when you just end with amen. And they're like, and say in Jesus' name. Wait, 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 wait. And the danger in using it that way is that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus taught us to pray in his name, but what he meant by that is, hey guys, I want you to pray in such a way that if it was published, you'd be my ghostwriter. My name would be on it. It would be by Jesus Christ because it represents exactly how he would say it. In other words, we're praying what Jesus wants. When you pray in Jesus' name, you're really literally lining it up with what Jesus would say. I said what you would say, and God goes, yeah. You want what I want. Watch as you begin to see God answer prayers. Because when you pray for what God wants, he goes, this is a no-brainer. That's what I want too. Done. So you go to your dad, and you're like, dad, I'm ready to talk to you. And he's like, son, daughter, I'm ready to listen. You go, I want what you want. In what? In this anxiety. And he goes, huh, yeah, that's what I want. Let's get this done. 
How do you get there, though? How, how do we pray what God wants? How do I know what God wants? The answer is that God has been so good to us. Our dad didn't leave us alone. He gave us an entire set of his words that we can look at and understand and see what he's been saying. And the best thing that you and I can do is we can pray scripture. We can literally pray the scriptures. And you go, really? Yeah, look at this. The, the, the church did this. They've always done this. They would pray the scriptures. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 23 through 40, we read this. Now, the apostles have just been beaten and told they are not allowed to speak in Jesus' name. So they gather back with the church. And so when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? They are now quoting Psalm 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered anointed against the Lord and against his anointed. Now they've, they've just prayed it. They said, God, this is what you said. This is what the scriptures say. And this matches our situation. For truly in this city, they said, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Notice the connection. Both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Those are all the leaders they've just stated. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Notice they're referencing God as Lord. Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. So they reference that and then they reference the victory in Psalm 2 that comes through standing with the sun. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What you and I see here is a model, one way of using scripture that it should interlace the way that you're praying, that you should know the word of God well enough that your prayer life is guided by the word of God. And when you do that, you will often find that you are praying what God wants. You're praying after God's thoughts. And it ignites your prayer life. One of the ways that we're going to do that is in this next, in these next few days, these next few weeks, as we take up the challenge to pray, I want you to pray the Lord's Prayer. You're going to be praying scripture. You know you're going to be praying exactly what God wants us to pray because you're going to be praying what Jesus told us to pray. Now that's exciting to think that you're actually going to be praying for God's will and you're going to start searching the scripture. It's going to be powerful. It's going to change the way that you think about prayer. And it's going to make you more confident. And we should be confident in prayer. We should be very confident in prayer because of what it says in the scriptures that we are coming to our dad. Look at Hebrews. It puts it this way. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in the help of time and need. And what he's saying is don't be afraid to go to God because of Jesus Christ has covered your sins. You're going to get challenged by Satan. You're going to be challenged by your own flesh in this world. You're going to be told, hey, you can't pray. You just sinned. No, if you've just sinned, you need to go confidently to the throne of grace and repent and turn and give that over to God. We'll talk about that in a second. But the bottom line is you're just releasing it to God. You're saying, God, here I am. I want to be free of this. And so now he meets you there and you begin to be confident. Now you can go to your dad knowing that, hey, dad, I'm right with you now. I, want to, I, need, I have these anxieties. And he will look at you and say, yeah, that's why you ran to these sins. You thought you could handle it, but you forgot to come to me. Let's deal with this together now. So be confident. Be sure that God is willing to listen and ready to go. And that means then, as Jesus would say, that we don't have to worry about what time or hour. We can come daily. We can pray daily. Notice what he puts here. He says, give us what? Say it out loud. Give us this day. 
This day. That means you should be praying it every day. This day, our daily bread. Not next week. Give us next week our daily bread. Give us in the next two days. Our, no, today. Provide for my needs today. And so you're praying daily for what you need. Your bread was considered the most essential need in the ancient world. It was the staple of all of the diet. And so you, when you're asking for bread, you're asking for the basic need. You're saying, God, provide for my basic needs. How many of us Americans really need to pray that prayer? Is God providing for your basic needs? Some of you are going, right now, I need to. Others of you are going like, wow, I haven't needed my basic needs met in a long, long time. And we should be thanking God daily for our basic needs. You know, some of those basic needs are emotional, though. Some of those basic needs are spiritual. Some of those basic needs are different. And I think what Jesus is just simply saying here is this is a daily, ta- this is a daily delight, not task, daily delight, to talk to your dad about what you need. Yeah, you're talking about you want what he wants and you're asking him, hey, this is what I need. And so don't stop. Keep praying. This is a daily thing. First Thessalonians 5.17, one of the simplest verses we can remember. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Once you get started, don't end it, right? Be consistent. This is like exercise. Once you start going, once you eat less and you move more, don't stop moving. You may pause for a minute. You go, wait a minute, I got to get going again. The second you realize, I haven't prayed today, just pray. Don't stop. Keep praying. Oftentimes, you'll get to this place where you're like, I totally messed up. I didn't pray. And just just fill it in right there. You don't have to get in some special room or, or sit with some special people. Just go straight to your dad. He's right there waiting. Start talking to him in the car. Start talking to him in your home. While you're chopping the onions, cry over your prayer requests. You know, those kind of things. I thought that was funny. Anyway. <laughs> And we need to be persistent in this prayer. In the book of Luke, Jesus actually says we should be so persistent we're annoying. I love this parable. Jesus says, and he said to them, talking to his disciples, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Can you imagine some guy showing up at midnight? Hey, hey. You're like, what in the world is that? I need three loaves of bread. For a, so, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. Can you give me a loan? It's midnight. He's going to answer him from within. Don't bother me. The door's shut. My children are in bed with me. Because they all slept in the same area. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet because of his impudence. Because he's annoying. Because he keep doing it. He's going to rise and give him whatever he needs. So this guy goes, I'm sleeping. Leave me alone. I need three loaves of bread. I need three loaves of bread. Fine. Get out of here. That's why he's going to give it to him. I tell you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks will be opened. He's saying just be persistent. Now he's not saying you're going to be annoying to God. That's not what he means. God's up there going, oh my gosh, this kid is killing me. Fine, here's the Ferrari. That's not what he's saying. (laughs) What God is saying is that if they're going to give you that annoyance and you're going to be persistent there, how much more am I willing to give it to you when you show that you really are, are, are on it? You're persistent about it. See, sometimes God wants us to show that we're persistent because he wants to reveal to us how much it truly is a need. How often do we flippantly throw up prayers Oh, God, heal this person from cancer. And we just don't pray about it again. 
Persistence shows that we're really, really serious about this. And God knows it, and he's trying to show us that, hey, we care so much, I'm not going to give up on this thing. And so persistence is, is huge. What father among you, if, he asks, if, he, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a fish, or instead of a fish, give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Jesus is just kind of saying, God, trust that God's going to provide for you. Trust that he's going to give you what you need. And don't stop. Keep being like the kids who beg for video games. Dad, can I play this video game? Dad, can I play this video game? I pretty much want to throw the video game system out the door and say no. But the beauty is that I'm just, oh, they're serious. They really must want to have some fun right now. They don't want, you know, whatever. But God wants to provide for us. We're not going to bug him. But when we're persistent, it shows that we are serious. It shows that we're intent on these things. Now, how do you keep that persistence going? I want to suggest to you guys that you have dedicated times. Years ago, we did a prayer, a prayer series, and I challenged everybody to take their phone out and set your alarm. Set your alarm for some time during the day that when it goes off, you take that time and you pray. In fact, you can set three hours of prayer as the ancient church did. One in the morning, one in the, one in the midday, and one at night. And what you were able to do then was address and go to God three times a day. What's beautiful about that is your needs change throughout the day. Or when he answers, it gives you the opportunity to take a dedicated moment to thank him. There's all these beautiful pieces that fall into place that when you take a persistent, dedicated time. So maybe that's what you want to do. Maybe you want to challenge yourself in this and say, I'm going to set it in my calendar. I'm going to put it on my reminders and put it in my phone so the alarm goes off. Whatever it is, keep persistent. Keep allowing that to be part of your day. And so what you do then is you're praying for those needs daily. You're talking to your dad. You want what he wants. You would love him to provide for what you need. And you ask him then for defense, for forgiveness and strength against sin. Look at how he says this. Give, give, uh, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins, our debts, the things that we owe to you, God, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, we're, so you, there's a sense that we go through and we talk about those people we're holding grudges against and we release them to God. You say, Dad, I don't get it. Will you handle this? I, I'm angry, but I give them over to you. I forgive them. And you practice a daily forgiveness. And you ask him to lead you not into temptation, but deliver you from evil. And you're not saying, keep me from trials. You're saying, give me the strength that I can grow and, be, and go through the trial and not fail in sin. And so what you're doing is you're asking for strength. You're asking for aid. And one of the best ways to do that is pray that God would allow the gospel to be saturated in our surrounding world. Paul said, he asked the church to pray that the gospel would be clear so the people would receive it. What better defense against sin is there than the gospel itself? There is no better defense than to know the gospel, to have it in you, to preach the gospel, to see the gospel is clear. And we can pray through that gospel. We can say, God, thank you that you've forgiven me in Jesus Christ. I trust you. I walk in that. And you can recommit yourself every day if you like. The point is simply and clear that we want defense and strength against sin. This is why Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. He said, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We should defend each other. Why is he saying this? This is at the end of all the verses that deal with spiritual warfare. He's talking about this thing. And and for those of you who have not read the book of Ephesians, Paul ends it with a conversation about having spiritual armor so that we can fight against the temptations and the things to what we don't want in our life, like anger and the, the sins of our lives. 
And he says, well, then you need to put on the gospel, basically. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet that are ready to present the gospel, all these things. And he ends it with this. In that mode, pray at all times. You want to know one of the most powerful ways to fight off sin, Christians? You want to know the most powerful ways to check your attitude? Is be in constant prayer. Always pull God in. The second you feel yourself drifting away, pray. The second you feel yourself shifting, pray. Allow God to enter that space in that moment. And he battles. He'll bring the scripture. His sword comes out. He'll come and and guide you. He'll give you the inspiration you need to make the right decision and to exit out. Pray constantly at all times. Asking God for the direction. Knowing the word of God can come to your aid. What happens then is that you're asking God for the strength to fight off temptation and to walk in his way. God, I want what you want. Can you imagine saying that when you're, when you're wanting to sin? When you're struggling to whether you should lie about a situation and you're saying, God, I want what you want. I want to be a truthful person. And suddenly you say the truth. It's a prayer is a powerful antidote to our delusions. And so God, God in Jesus Christ has given us a beautiful structure for prayer. When we talk to God as our dad, who wants to be with us, he's ready to receive our anxieties, we can then turn and we can give, we want what he wants and we can ask him for those changes in the world and then we can lay down our needs and finally we can ask for forgiveness and be free and stand strong against sin. Can you imagine a church that prayed this daily? Can you imagine a people, what they would be like if they lived this daily? That's what revolutionize how we live. This is a basic so our challenge is this. Inside of your, your bulletin is, is a card. It's a cross-training card. This is designed for you guys to have kind of like, hey, it's a checklist, like your P90X exercise chart or something like that. And, and, and this is there. If you didn't get a bulletin, grab one on your way out. You need this card. Because the challenge for us is this, that for at least, you should pray at least this prayer one time every day for the next 40 days. And we give you 40 check marks to mark off. And, and what do you do if you, if you mess up and you don't hit a day? Pick back up and keep going, right? Pray persistently, keep going, don't stop. And, and that's the idea here is that you want to do it another 40 days, you've got a backside as well. This is a great challenge. I want you guys to take it. Imagine if we instilled this thinking that God is our dad, that he's providing for our needs, that he is there and he wants these great things and we want those too as well. The, the church would be revolutionized if we're praying for God's will here, we would begin to see God answering prayers like crazy because not only would you be praying for other people's, your needs, you pray for other people's needs and suddenly he goes, you can provide for that need. And you go, oh. And people's needs get met. And people feel free from their sins and forgiving others. It is the best basic to keep us in shape. So let's begin this week. We do that with me? Okay, the few of you who will, I'm, I'd say I'm excited. The rest of you, have a great week. Enjoy your church. Where's the church check mark? I want to know where the check, check church off. Don't do that. Let's, let's do this together. So bow your heads with me, please. Those, some of you in this room are not Christians, and I want to give you an opportunity to hear something um, exciting, that you can know God as your dad. 
that what he's done is he's not a, you don't pray to get God happy with you. You don't pray to make God right with you. What you actually do is you realize that God has already provided all the means that you need to get right. God loves you. The only thing that stands in the way of his love and his ability to adopt you is, is this sin in our lives. And as long as we willingly hold on to our lust, as long as we willingly hold on to our, our lies, as long as we willingly hold on to our pride, as we, basically as long as we willingly hold on to us ruling our lives, he cannot be our dad. We're not willing to follow him. And he has to punish that attitude. But his love is so great that he was not willing to punish it yet. Instead, he sent his son, Jesus, who took that punishment for you on the cross, if you're willing to receive that. And so Jesus bears your sin, bears your punishment on that cross so that that sin is taken care of and now you can have a relationship with him and he can adopt you and you can be his child. And prayer opens up. God is right there as your dad, ready and willing. to answer. If you don't have that relationship with God, if your pride, if your sin, if your ruling of your own life is standing in the way of you being able to connect with God in that way, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. They could bear your sins for you, remove that problem, and give you a chance to begin to follow God. Where he adopts you and becomes your dad. You may need that right now. You're going to need it the rest of your life. And if you're there right now and you're ready to make that decision to let Jesus take your hell for you, to be adopted by God and follow him, I want to give you that chance by putting your hand up right now. You're just telling me, yes, I'm ready to receive that. That is where I am. I'm ready to follow Jesus Christ. That's where you're at. I'd love for you to join with me. This prayer does not save. Jesus saves you. But this prayer, like I said, allows you to talk to your dad. You say, Dad, I know that I've sinned. I've tried to lead my own life. But I'm trusting that Jesus Christ bore my sin on the cross. I'm trusting that Jesus rose from the dead to give me a new life and a relationship with you. I'm ready to have that relationship with you. Would you adopt me? Would you lead me now? I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.